Love and Watches is a family-friendly podcast for male and female watch lovers alike. Perpetual Girl and Ranch Racer are a watch-crazy wife and husband team who've been wearing and collecting watches for more than 45 years. They enjoy bringing you the latest in collecting, interviews, news, and all things interesting in the world of watches. Enjoy the show. Hey, watch fam. This is Ranch Racer. And this is Perpetual Girl. And you guys are listening to the Love and Watches podcast, the podcast for all watch lovers. We got a fun show for you guys today. We're going to talk about uh, well, the main the main topic is something that you guys seem to really like. And I think mm-hmm. if I go back and look at our stats, the the what's in the collection episodes tend to get the most <clears throat> excuse me the most listens. So this will be, I think, the fourth what's in the collection. Uh, as most of you know, we got between the two of us, we got a pretty good size. Uh, collection ranging from Timex up to Rolex and some other stuff. And uh, you guys seem to enjoy it when we go through and, you know, tell you about three or four different watches in the collection. So that's the main topic. But PG, you had some other stuff that you wanted to cover. I think there's a shout out in there somewhere. We've got, we we normally don't do news, as you guys know, but there are a couple things that that uh, are pertinent to the podcast that we're going to cover. Um but I think you wanted to start out with something we haven't done for a while, right? Yeah, I'd like to do a um, listener review, and we Yay, have. Yay! We're going to give stuff away. <laughs> <laughs> we we're we're really happy and uh, we're honored that we have such great listeners, and we're very proud that our rating is five and I think all of them are positive. And we don't, you know, if we get negative, that's fine. We'll read them. We can work on it. <laughs> we're, you know, it's a it's a process, so we want to improve and do a podcast that everybody likes. So we love the reviews, but I'm, I'm really, really proud that they're all positive. Yeah. Which is great. So definitely makes us, it's a good ego boost. It makes us feel <laughs> In good. In 2020. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's normally we don't, we don't care about ego this boost, year. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Okay. And, and you guys know, we've said before, when we read, if we read your review, you just need to contact us and you're going to get some free stuff. So, uh, so go for it. Let's okay. let's hear this one. Well, Who's this I'm from? Gonna, well, I'm going to do a review and then I'll do a shout out. So I'll start with my review if I can get my iPad to work here. <sighs> oh dear. Okay. This is from JD the Traveling Watch. The title is Relaxing, Authentic and Interesting. When you first listen to Love and Watches, you will notice that Ranch Racer and Perpetual Girl don't have the typical super excited delivery that you might hear from other po- uh, other posts. This is more like sitting down and having coffee with them, and you just happen to be talking about watches. RR and PG make sure that everyone is welcome. There is no shaming of certain brands, nor do they make you feel like there is a certain status bar that you must pass to enter. Rolex and Timex are both accepted equally. Whether it is a show with a theme or one of their many guests, there is quite a bit of information shared with the listener. They don't read through the latest press releases and industry news. They actually discuss watches discuss watches that appeal to them. As you can see by the five stars, they are highly recommended. And gosh, that is the nicest thing Thank you, JD. that someone could say. Very, JD. very nice so review. So I'm going to look for you on Instagram and we're going to send you some fun stuff. And, and you can also just email us at, at admin at loveandwatches.com uh, and let us know that we read your review and, and give us the username and, and we'll get you some fun stuff. Yeah, but... so you can also DM uh, Perpetual Girl yep. or Love and Watches. Yeah, on Instagram, you know, and that's, I I love reviews like that because 
what JD said, that's exactly what we've always been shooting for, right? We we don't, and the funny thing is we're actually going to cover a little bit of news today, but again, it's news that's very pertinent to the podcast because it has to do with some very recent guests that we've had on, but, um, you know, that's, there's so many blogs and podcasts that just, that regurgitate the same news over and over. I mean, if you go to the WatchFail app and something big releases, oh, yeah, that's it's what just I do. one after another, right? We, yeah. That's how we get a lot of our news if we're not on the on the uh, you know press release list for a certain brand and some of them were not the bigger brands were not on their list but um, so we don't normally do that and we really do like to just it's just conversational it's how this started so I love hearing reviews like that because it's exactly what we're shooting for with this thing and you know there's so many fantastic very high-end couture pieces out there that we love and there are grails but we tend to not review something that's out of our budget too yeah, we, we kind of, we um, I think that's kind of the flavor of our podcast is that we, we try to stick with things that we can afford ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it kind of narrows. There's so many watches. Like I always say, so many watches, yeah, so little time. <laughs> so we can't possibly cover everything. So I think um, keeping it in our budget, and we have listeners that are in the budget too. So if you stay within your budget, it's easier to collect. And I think last count, I think my collection alone was over 150 pieces. That's ridiculous. But most Absolutely of them, crazy. most of them are, are not expensive. They're, no, they're budget, no. but well, and, and just along that same theme, one of, or a couple of my watches I'm going to talk about today for what's in the collection are very, very similar looking and feeling, but way different in price, right? So that's going to demonstrate that we really try to cover everything. So whether your budget is, you know, hundred bucks or 50 bucks for a Timex or a Seiko or Casio or something, or you collect, you know, higher end, whether it might be Oris or Rolex or Cartier or whatever, we, we do cover, we try to cover everything, right? There's everyone's in different positions and, and, uh, we like it all as we've said many times. So, uh, it should be a fun show today. You want to do a shout out as well, I do. which I think this is, this one's really cool. You, you pointed <laughs> this out to me and played it for me. And I just thought it was amazing. I did. So. I did. This, this is a shout out to watchdog podcast, a, a brand new podcast. And the, the person who does the, the podcast is a professional dog walker slash runner. And he did a, a show on collection size what constitute a collection size does two watches or does 200 watches make a collection so he actually reached out to the watch community various people and i was one of them which i was very honored and did a a really quick reply not really quick it was actually i filled up the whole allotted (laughs) number you don't do anything really quick But I, I responded back and he read it on air and he said some really nice things about us. And he's, he's got, a, he's very kind and it, it really comes across in his podcast. So if you want to hear a really down to earth, um, uh, and I, you know, I didn't hear any swear words either. So it's something you can listen to with your kids and, um, just a really, really nice guy. And he's, he's a collector. Now, I think he's kind of similar format to us where he doesn't re- re- recover a lot of the same news, right, that everyone else is covering. I, I, I haven't so. really listened. I listened to that one show and I I'm really, really need to go. I'm really behind on my listening. I don't listen to any watch podcast anymore. It's it's terrible, but well, I, sh- I a should crazy go check it out because we're giving the guy a shout out. So yeah. I, I really should go check out his podcast. Well, you did listen to me, uh, listen to it with me that day. And, and it was I, awesome. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, he's got a good voice and he's 
very clear and concise and you very know. sweet. He sounds very nice. Yeah, yeah sounds that's, like a that's cool guy. Wanna... So definitely go check out his podcast for sure. That's the Watchdog um, podcast. It's not. There's no snobbery. It's, it's not pretentious. No so. watch shaming. No that's shaming. one of our big yeah. things. Cool. All very right. Cool. So we'll all contact him and send him a little something too. Oh, awesome! All right, cool. Uh, let's let's roll into the the news and. I mean, they're both news topics, but again, they're very um, they're very related to the podcast and things that we've talked about. So, uh, which you want to cover one of these, and I'll cover the other. We can share. Let's share. Okay. Um, these the the two manufacturers we're talking about we've had on our show recently. Recently, so the first one is Formax watches. We had Marcus and Raphael on. And we talked about their Essence line, which is just a stunning watch. Uh, it was a little bit too big for me, although they said that, that women do wear it. Mm-hmm. But um, not quite a look I've gotten into yet is wearing a watch that's that big for me. Right. But you wore it, and I was able to enjoy it looking at, you know, there's a difference between looking at your own watch and seeing a watch on somebody across the room or even five, ten feet away. Completely different experience so you would walk by with this watch and i was just blown away at the way the bezel and the angles caught the light so um they have a new model called the reef that they introduced yesterday right i think on the 14th of october uh yeah so it's it's called the reef which would you'd probably guess is a dive watch uh 42 millimeters it's the typical incredible formex quality you know i was I was telling someone, I think it was on our local Red Bar group, that when I look at a Formax under a loop, I feel like I'm looking at something like a Grand Seiko. It, that's how good their detail is. All their fine detail, the edges, the polishing. They just And we talked about that with them on the, on the podcast, and as well as the review of the Essence. But really good looking diver, 42 millimeter, um, all ceramic bezel, bunch of different sun, sun ray dial colors, blue, gray, oh, green. Oh, it's... Uh... The ways to choose your, you can choose your own you colors. You build it basically. Yeah, so there's a tool. You choose on your their bezel website. color, choose your dial color, uh, and as is the norm for Formax, uh, you've got the technology. So this one doesn't have the suspended case that you see in an Essence, um, but what you do get is a new patented quick release system to change out the bracelet or the strap, and you get. Um, a patented quick adjust micro adjust on the the stainless steel and i think you also get it on the you get their their adjustment on the the band as well but just a, a it's a great looking piece i mean I, I really you guys already know i'm a big fan of this brand um yeah it does have a quick release on the on I, the strap i love a quick release i mean and i don't see why more people don't do it because we also have it on the hampton nanak that has a a, a Quick micro, release or a quick adjust? Quick adjust. Micro adjust, yeah. On the, on the bracelet that you can adjust while you're wearing the watch. So yep. when I wear that watch, I adjust it all day long, depending on what I'm doing. Now, I, I also really like the the quick release, right? So being able to change straps and bracelets without a spring bar tool. <clears throat> the only thing that I would like to see that we'll probably never see is I'd love to see an industry standard because when you have a quick release... It's whatever that manufacturer designs, right? They're all going to be different. So it's 
you can still use a standard i think for most of these you can still use a standard spring bar with any kind of strap that you want it would be nice to see some sort of an industry standard quick release so you could swap more bracelets and straps with a quick release to different watches um you know we're probably never going to see that i mean the what the industry coming together as a whole to develop some sort of a of a standard quick release we're probably not going to see it and the, now are you talking about a quick release yeah, or a to proprietary change. clip system like the cartier santos so like, like the santos is a plastic that's what i'm referring system, to which right? worries me because i've actually had it it's come off de, you know successfully deploy <laughs> which is bad it fell off and luckily yeah. it hit something that wasn't you know like concrete but um i really love the pull the push pull spring bars like on a barton strap a lot of people are moving to that so are you yeah. which one are you referring well, there's, to there's it's both right okay. so that it's pretty easy to do with um some sort of a textile type strap leather or any kind of a soft strap it's basically just a spring bar that lives in there with a little cut on the back of the strap and a and a little you know tube or handle that comes out so you can squeeze the spring bar without a tool so that's pretty easy where it gets harder is with bracelets and stuff um, so oh. most of them are still yeah. proprietary. There are some reasons for that, right? The bracelet has to fit the case nicely, unless you're doing like some sort of a shark mesh or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like the Alexander Venacci has probably one of my favorite bracelets in my collection. It's Milanese. So right. that I wear, I, it's super easy peasy to use. And I use it on so many different watches at that yep. uh, width. Yeah, so it's, we, we probably won't ever see an industry standard. They'll continue to be proprietary. Formex has done a phenomenal job. I, I love the way they design this stuff. It works really well. It's secure. Uh, I can't wait to get my hands on this one because I, I want to see how they've done this, but it looks really, really cool. Uh, you mentioned Cartier. It's That one was, I think what Cartier did was they made up for all the research and development costs by charging a fortune for the bands, <laughs> right? Like 400, four or 500 400 bucks each, for a leather depending. strap. Yeah. And you really don't see them anymore. I think they just didn't have a lot of takers. So you don't really see well, much of them anymore. And certain colors are Santos that I wear mm -hmm. primarily is the men's medium. And I snagged the raspberry pink um, Which you strap. can't find anymore. As soon as I bought it, we yeah. ordered that from Christine. Yeah. And now I went back to the, there's like a grayish purple and I don't think they have any left because mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of men are going to buy a lavender or a pink strap. So probably not glad I got it when I did, but now I'm kind of bummed I didn't get more, but, but still $400 for a strap. Yeah. So I'm, I'm limited to brown, pink, black, and the bracelet. So yep. really that's all I need. So anyway, the. Back to, I guess, back to the Formex release, the reef. No, this is all good <laughs> stuff, but it's a 42 millimeter, uh, only 11.4 millimeters thick, which is, that's, again, if you go back and watch my video I did a couple years ago on sizing, it's not necessarily always the diameter that makes the difference. It's all the design features, right? And, and thickness is one of those big ones. Uh, if it's thin, it, it, it's able to hug your wrist better. And this is, for a diver, this is pretty thin at 11.4. Um, I can't what wait else? to try that on because if it's that thin, that that changes everything as far as case diameter. And the lug to lug is only forty seven, right? It's from tip of the lug to tip of the lug is only forty seven millimeters. So I think you'll, I think you'll probably be able to, you know, anyone with a smaller wrist will be able to pull this one off. And it's a diver. Divers tend to be bigger and chunkier anyway, right? Yep. You need to be able to manipulate it with a, 
with a glove on your hand when you're diving. You need to be able to see it. It needs to be very easy to read. So they tend to be larger anyway. Um, your your um, the oris that you have is smaller, and it's not that's not a typical dive watch size, right? This is more typical. I think it's going to work for a lot of people. Like I said, I'm looking forward to getting it in and and checking it out. Uh, it's got the the Cosk certified SW300 mm-hmm. Salita movement, so that's the top you know top grade Salita movement. Looks like it's got great loom, which I I wouldn't uh, I would always expect from these guys. So great looking piece. Definitely go check it out. We'll put some photos up on the website, but go check out um, formexwatch.com to uh, to get a look at really and neat, really neat watch. The retail price is uh, the retail price. I think with the bracelet is under eight, just under eighteen hundred bucks. So a Cosk certified Salida powered eleven and a half millimeter thick diver for under eighteen hundred bucks. That's that's pretty pretty much a price performer. And the design is beautiful. Some some people don't like the um, the left side mimicking the crown guard to sort of make it symmetrical. But I really like the way that looks. I think it gives it more of a rectangular look overall. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. I like the design. Oh, I do too. Yep. And I like the rubber strap. It's, uh, I think the style is kind of a tropics where it's got like all the little pyramids on it, right? The little miniature pyramids or whatever that, that, uh, design is called. <laughs> we never claim to know everything. Yeah. I don't know much of this stuff, but anyway, it looks good on that as well. And rubber is, is absolutely acceptable for diving. I wouldn't expect it to come on a leather strap. Did you, um, did you dive when you were diving? Yeah. My did Casio, a... my Arnie had a, a black rubber strap. I mean, that's pretty much what they all had back then, except for like a Rolex or something. With uh, with the extra um, uh, area that popped open so you could put it over your Well, suit. no, with the rubber, you've got all the holes, so you can you can fasten it ah. wherever you want. It's when you have the metal bracelet that you have the diver's extension to get over the wetsuit. It's, ni- it's nice to have a diver in the podcast because I'm, I'm a snorkeler. I've snorkeled since I was five, and we don't have to worry about wearing watches to time our oxygen <laughs> so it's a very different uh it is i, I miss it and when i requirements. was when i was diving you didn't have the fancy dive computers and stuff that you have today that figured all your dive times i had to use my watch and that was before unidirectional bezels mm-hmm. my or bezel was certif- bidirectional yeah. and very very different times when i was diving. and that was a quartz correct yeah it's quartz powered and you know so i had a stopwatch i could use i had the bezel that had uh, it was a directional bezel as well as a timing bezel. So that was before the ISO 6425, I think, is the standard for dive watches. But uh, yeah, it's. I think this is going to be another big success. So it's on pre-order on their website. Uh, just It's 1719 with the bracelet and 1670 if you want the rubber strap. And you can probably, I would imagine you can probably order both of those if you want. Um, the other thing I like is that they ask you for your wrist size. So you're going to get a rubber strap that's customized to your wrist size. I so the that. tail will be the right size, which I love is fantastic. That. Everyone should do that. Uh, yeah. Bravo for them. Yeah. Good job guys. Uh, really nice watch. And we're looking forward to getting our hands on it soon. <laughs> so that's, that was the that's one piece Formex. of news. Um, the next piece of news you guys have probably all seen because I'm sure it's been on all the big blogs. It was kind of the big announcement this morning, uh, which is Oris. If you guys remember when we had VJ and Beth on a few weeks ago, 
VJ mentioned that this year was going to be kind of a big game-changing year for Oris, and they were going to have some big announcements, and this is one of those announcements, mm -hmm. uh, and it is the brand-new Oris Caliber 400 movement. In-house manufacturer. Yep, and not that's not new to, to Oris. They've got some other in-house movements. This one's got some uh, technology that's new to Oris, not necessarily groundbreaking in terms of the industry itself, but new to Oris, and it also has some features that come with this movement that really are groundbreaking and big news. So do you want to talk about some of those features? You want me to go through them, PG? Why don't you just keep rolling along? I know um, I know the power reserve is 10 days because there's uh, two... Five days. I'm sorry, five days because five there's days. two two-and-a-half-day barrels. Yeah, so it's got twin twin main barrels, Right. So normally, so for those of you that are kind of new to watches, um, within the watch movement, you've got the mainspring, which is what houses all the energy that powers the movement for however long that, that spring lasts. One, one way to get uh, longer life, longer runtime out of a watch is to run two main burials uh, in serial. So they just give you more, more time, basically, right? As one barrel runs out, the next one is taking over and they run in a serial fashion. Um, and so they've done a twin barrel design and that gets you five days of power reserve. So that that's number one. Uh, again, neither of these are like industry. Uh, they're not new to the industry, but they're new to Oris. And when we talk about some of the, the last couple things, it's really that's really when it kind of hits home uh, how important this movement is. So first you've got the twin barrels. Um, which which would actually, I can probably see why it's it isn't used, uh, you know, largely because it's probably the technology is probably expensive, I imagine, and it's it's probably a little larger. Yeah, it is, and that's something I was going to talk about, but I'll I'll oh, say yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it right now. That's a good point in that um, when you do a twin barrel, don't expect to see this movement in you know like sub forty millimeter watches, maybe not even sub forty two millimeter, because when you're having to do two barrels you're you're taking up more space for those mainspring barrels right now they can stack them they can make it thicker there's ways to kind of minimize that but i don't think we're going to see this in real small watches it'll probably be you know either 40 and up or 42 and up um so don't expect it in a really small watches but uh a couple of the other things that they've done uh the so normally on an automatic watch we've got the rotor that spins on the back right so if you have a case back that's see-through you can see that rotor. Sometimes you can even feel it on your wrist. Some mm -hmm. some watches feel alive, like, like your, the Speedmaster, the coaxial drive. Yeah, the coaxial Speedmasters, your thirty eights that you have, both of those, those things just feel alive on your wrist. They keep moving after you stop, and that kind of they kind of talk to you. It I almost really, feels like it shakes your wrist a little bit. It, it does. Yeah. It does. I really I love the Speedmaster. The Hamilton face to face that I have that has the the Volju seventy seven fifty movement. Same thing. That thing just it moves. You can feel it and hear it. Uh, what they've done with this, normally you've got a ball bearing and that ball bearing can, I guess, wear down over time, right? Which requires servicing and lubing and all that stuff. Well, what they've done is they've, uh, I think it's a actually a patented system. So instead of winding in both directions, it gets they've eliminated the ball bearing and done some sort of a sleeve and tube. And until I actually get to see it, it's going to be hard to fully understand how it works. But... It only winds in one direction, but it lasts a lot longer. And that's something I'm going to talk about in just a second. So that's the second thing is 
is it's got this uh, this proprietary uh, automatic winding, uh, you know, it's it's a bearing, but it's not a ball bearing. So that's the second thing. Third thing that they talk about is that it's highly resistant to magnetism. Mm. So, like a Milgauss, right? So the whole magnetism thing, Milgauss Rolex with their Milgauss is really well known for that, right? So a lot of engineers, folks that were working around magnetic fields in the nuclear fields or whatever back in the 50s and 60s, they needed a watch that if you expose a watch to high magnetism, it can affect things like the mainspring, Mm -hmm. right? Because it can squeeze it. Um, It can affect the escapement, parts of the escapement. And we're talking like a a stereo speaker even. Oh yeah, like a big magnet on the stereo speaker Mm -hmm. can, can affect it. So... What Rolex did with the Milgauss originally is they built it in kind of like a Faraday cage, right? There's a couple of different ways you can... Can you explain what that means so people... Yeah, don't, so don't if, you encase, if you encase a movement inside of some sort of an anti-magnetic shielded case, right, within the main outer case, that's what they did with the Milgauss originally. Now, what that does is it makes the, the whole watch thicker, mm-hmm. right? Because you kind of have a case within a case. The other way to do it, which is what the industry has been doing for many years now, is you use anti-magnetic materials mm-hmm. for the mainspring and for the for the um, the hairspring and you know the different pieces of the escapement. And so that's what they've done with this. They've used some of those types of anti-magnetic type uh, materials uh, in the in the escapement and the in the springs. And if you think about the Milgauss, which basically is able to withstand a thousand Gauss, right? Gauss is a measure of of magnetic fields in the the most current ISO standard, which is ISO 764 that defines anti-magnetism for watches. Um, it's equivalent. The testing is equivalent to about 2200 Gauss and the watch has to remain within plus or minus 30 seconds of what it was before it was exposed to that magnetic field. And in their testing, they were within 10 seconds of that original timing. So They've done a good job with the anti-magnetism. Again, mm-hmm. not a huge groundbreaking thing in the industry. Lots of, but the I mean, thi- Omega the- can do 15,000 Gauss, right? So, yeah. Um, but with the thickness of that case being such, you know, so short, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't think the movement, and again, I'm still waiting for some of the actual specs on the movement. I don't think it's super thick, though. So it should be, um, it should be in some nice thin watches, and we'll see. So we've talked about... Uh, I talked about the proprietary bearing system on the rotor, right? And I talked about the magnetism. I talked about the twin barrels. That's usually going to be pretty expensive stuff. So number one, if you look at Oris's current in-house movements, I think it started with the 110, then 111, 12, 13. I think there's a 114, usually up well above $5,000. I expect this will be less. We don't know prices yet. I suspect it's going to be pretty affordable, but where this really, where the rubber really hits the road on this is because of some of these technologies that they've used, their recommended service interval is 10 years. It's amazing. It really is because most watches are two to five years recommended service intervals. And, you know, our collection's grown so much in the last three years, we're probably going to have to sell the house. To- <laughs> 
I know. I was thinking about that our too. Watches. Think about that too. And we will. We'll live on the street as long as we can keep our watches. We'll sell the house and, and service I'll, all of our watches. You can right? live on the street. I will live in the goose barn. There you go. You can live with the geese. But um, but back to the movement. But ten years. Yeah. I mean, that that was announced today. Yeah. Um. Along with that, is a ten year warranty. Yeah. It's it's double what anyone else in the industry, I believe, offers uh, today. So you're getting. An in-house movement, which I suspect is going to be affordable or relatively affordable for in-house as in-house movements go. Um, and you're getting a 10-year service interval and a 10-year warranty with it. That's pretty amazing. Pretty incredible. So I think like the big guys like Rolex and Omega are five years. I don't think there's anyone else out there that does a 10-year warranty. I could be wrong. And if I am, let us know in the comments. But this is pretty groundbreaking. What was your Bashir um, chronograph or us? The warranty? We've, we've had it at least a couple of years now. Yeah, well, it's probably kind of the standard five-year service interval, but I think it's a three-year three-year warranty. Mm-hmm. So, which is still good. It is, and that's not an in-house movement. That's the SW five hundred, mm-hmm. I think, chronograph movement from Salida. But to get an in-house movement with a five-day power reserve, high anti-magnetism, uh, some technology that extends the life maintenance life of the rotor, with a ten-year warranty and a ten-year service interval is that that's the groundbreaking stuff. So that's when VJ was saying it was going to yeah. be a groundbreaking year for us. He really meant it. I mean, this is, I cannot wait to see this movement. It that's, really is amazing. Yeah, they have confidence in the quality and performance of that movement that they're willing to put their stamp on a 10 year promise. Yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible. So. Yep. Now it's, it's, I, I can't wait to see uh, their watch release with this thing. It's, it's, and I'm sure we're going to see it in a lot of different watches, right? This is kind of going to be their new in-house movement mm-hmm. going forward. One thing I did want to cover before we move on to the what's in the collection stuff uh, is there's probably a lot of folks listening to the podcast that are thinking, what in the world is an in-house? What does that mean, right? What does in-house yes, movement mean? That's a mean? really good segue because that term is something we have a lot of, gosh, since July, I think my Instagram account has grown by about 2,000 new watch you know, collectors yep. saying I'm new to watches. And as a novice, there are certain things that are you really need to understand what it means so that you can discern between, you know, the choice of your watch, whether or not you are spending, you know, $500 or $250 versus $1,500 or $2,000 on a watch based on the movement. So mm-hmm. um, this is actually a topic I've really wanted to talk about for a long time. Oh, okay. Well, great. Then, then that coincides well with what I'm about to say. Um, so back in the day, right? So back when PG and RR were were young, and you know, before fire, and before fire <laughs> and the wheel were invented, yeah. um, watchmakers, and I'm really referring just to the Swiss watch industry at this point. Although it also applied to the American watch industry when we did have an, a watch industry oh, here sure, in the United States. Sure, for sure. But in the Swiss watch industry. Uh, if you wanted to be a watch manufacturer, you normally what would you would do is you would design your watch and then you had all these little cottage industries within Switzerland. Um, some of them built movements or pieces of movements like like gears. They specialized in watch uh, movement gears. They specialized in springs or cases or dials or hand making or the bracelets or whatever, right? the manufacturers didn't really make much of this stuff on their own. They, they mm-hmm. designed it and then had it built by others and then sourced it. So when you bought 
you had a movement, you would get what's called an ebosh, which is a term that the watch industry hijacked from the art industry mm-hmm. um, or the art world, which is basically uh, the beginnings of something that comes together as a whole, right? So you'd order an ebosh, which is a box full of parts, and then you'd assemble the movement from all those parts from all those different little cottage industries. You'd put the dial on it, and then you'd slap it in the case, test it, and you've got your watch, right? Yeah. That that concept is so prevalent in many industries. When I worked for the airline and aircraft maintenance for 10 years, we had, we had entire companies. Um, we had companies that they made one bearing, and that was their sole product. They made one bearing that they sold to airlines. So you have an industry that has an entire company that's putting all their effort into one little part. So, you know, whether it's a mainspring or gears or, you know, whatever back in the day. So it's, it's fascinating. It's not uncommon. So, so where does this whole in-house thing? Because if you've gotten into the watch collecting world in the last few years, you hear the term in-house and it's this, oh, is that an in-house movement? Right. And sometimes it's, if you have a watch that doesn't have a quote in-house movement, it's looked down on as something inferior, which is ridiculous. It's not the case at all. How did this all start? Well, where I think what what really was the catalyst for the whole in-house movement thing that we see today was uh, ETA. So ETA was a movement manufacturer that provided eBosch movements to other manufacturers. Well, it became part of the group that eventually became known as the Swatch Group in the late 90s. And what happened was in the early 2000s, uh, Nick Hayek, who was the the CEO of the Swatch Group, he came out and said, okay, we're going to stop supplying Ibosh movements of our ETA product to other manufacturers that are not under the Swatch Group umbrella. So if you weren't like an Omega or, uh, or some other group that fell under the Swatch Group umbrella, you were not going to get ETA movements. So there was obviously a big panic, right? Because so many manufacturers were using ETA, uh, Eboshes, uh, to, to make their watches. So there was a big investigation and, and long story short, Swatch Group was forced by the Swiss authorities to continue to supply these ETA movements to manufacturers, but eventually they were allowed to start scaling down to the point where I think in 2018, 2019, they were supplying about 70% less than what they had been supplying before this all started. So this sparked a couple things. Number one, it sparked Salida, the, the, a new manufacturer to pop up who basically used the exact same prints because the Edda was not patented anymore. So they used all the same original drawings and designs to build a new movement. So if you look at like the, the Salida the SW200, that's a Edda 2824, same movement, right? So, that's the first thing. And the second thing is a lot of these manufacturers started thinking, oh boy, we're going to need to start making our own movements. So you started seeing manufacturers making their own movements and it started with the big ones and then moved down, you know, kind of gradually down to a lot of the smaller ones. So, so when you hear in-house movement, that's really where kind of where all that started. Doesn't necessarily mean it's any better than an Etta or a Salida or even a, a Seiko or a Miyota movement. It just means it's built by the manufacturer for mm-hmm. their watches. That's all that means. So, uh, and it's usually quite a bit more expensive because they have to take on all those costs to design and develop it, right? And then make those costs up. So, and they're used in so many watches. 
We we have micro brands that we've purchased that have the Salita and the. Yep. Um, what's the other one? Is it STP? STP is owned by Fossil, so that's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, you know, someone was asking me a few days ago, "Hey, is Salita any good?" And the answer is, it's as good as Etta, um, or better. What it really comes down to is, whoever buys that movement, it's all about the final um, lubrication and casing. Mm-hmm and timing of the movement as to how good it is. So you can have a micro brand with a Salita that's within, you know, a few seconds a day. Then you can have a bigger brand with a Salita that they don't take a lot of time to time it or, or, you know, whatever it takes to really make it accurate. And it could be 20 seconds mm-hmm. a day. So it just depends, you know, it and very got, much depends. I've got that case with some of mine as well, where, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to use an STP or an off the shelf movement, don't price it like it's been adjusted and really, really Correct. babied and doted over. And and then there's the Seiko NH35. Mm-hmm. That's personally fantastic <laughs> movement. That's one of Great my favorites movement. because I have what we've we've talked about crazy Snoopy on on the podcast before. But mm-hmm. I have an you know I love Snoopy. I think everyone knows that. I have an Invicta Red Dive Homage Snoopy that has an NH35 in it that it, the last time I timed it, what was it about maybe two weeks ago? Yeah. I wound it, it within a second, put it down. Right? I don't even remember. I think I stuck it up on the top of the couch. Yeah. It's accurate within less than one second yeah. in 24 hours. It's more accurate than how, any of our Rolex watches. How did, how did that happen? Same. How did yeah. that happen? Luck. I think it's, <laughs> it's actually more accurate than my oyster perpetual. So I don't know if I demagnetized that somehow getting too close to the television, you know, the speakers there. Probably we can demagnetize it. But, um, and you can talk about that too, but, but yeah, so you've got, I think it's, it's something to be aware of when you're talking about an in-house movement that's taken time, innovation, engineering, and a lot of, a lot of hard work to develop in-house pricing in that accordingly versus having an off the shelf movement that, um, most, you know, when you get these Seiko NH35 or the Swiss off the shelf, uh, someone will decorate, decorate a rotor. Mm-hmm. Um, do some uh, machine decorations on parts of the of the back of the movement, and they'll name it something else. Right. Well, that's that's another topic that I don't like. Is and some manufacturers do that. A lot some, of them do it. Some will give it their own name, but right. it's really a mod. You know, a, you know, it's got some. And they changes. won't tell you what the base move. I like to at least be told what the base movement is, even if they want to put their own model number on. But it, it's a very commonly used practice throughout the industry, yep. from small to big manufacturers. So. Right. So as a as a new collector, of people um, just be out aware. there, just just know that and do do the research and find out exactly what you're getting, so that you know what you should kind of be paying for it. And There's other things yeah. to consider, yeah. materials of your dial and all the complications, but. Um, and if someone tells you, well, because your watch doesn't have an in-house movement, it's not as good. It's not as high quality. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. They're they're drinking the social media Kool-Aid and what <laughs> everyone says, right? Oh, that must be true. It's not true at all. Not true at all. We have amazing watches from Seiko that have fantastic movements that are that are sold to all the micro brands, right? So many micro brands use Seiko and Miyota movements, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Salida and STP. STP did have some issues with some of their runs where they weren't lubed enough. And that caused something called helicoptering of the rotor, where when you went to manually wind it, the rotor would spin. That's a big no-no. That means it doesn't have enough lubrication. So there were some issues. It's not that it's a bad movement. It's that they had some production problems with some of those runs. I think they've mostly gotten through those. 
Um, but at the end of the day, an in-house movement is, is no better or worse than an off-the-shelf Eta or Solita or Seiko or anything else. And bottom um, line is, with an off-the-shelf movement, it's a lot more likely, it's likely that your local watchmaker will be able to work on that for you in the future. It'll be versus, way less to service. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And easier for you overall. So, yeah. you know, as a collector, some people would rather have more watches and spend less. You know, it's, it's yeah. buy what you love. Now, now, one thing I'll say is we're not, when we're talking about this whole thing, we're not talking about $100,000 Pateks that have handmade movements that are, I mean, that, that's a whole or... <laughs> different class. But what we're talking about is more the kind of the everyday, you know, collector, what, what you can get on the market. And just understand that there's, there's a lot of fluff out there and a lot of um, keyboard opinions, I'd like to call them, where they really don't have any idea. They haven't, they don't know, they haven't researched it. They have just read and heard that in-house is better than off the shelf. So they'll tell you your off the shelf watch isn't as good as one with an in-house movement. It's just simply not true. Not true. So anyway, that was a bit of a divergence, but I did want to cover that. And I think I have said all I'm going to say on, <laughs> on that. <laughs> so right. should we move into our, into our, we're going to do a wrist check and that's going to kind of be our first. And then we each have three others that we're going to. Okay go through so why don't you want to kick off the wrist check sure i'm i'm wearing since it's um the day of the oris movement release i'm wearing the oris aquas that i think i was wearing last podcast but that's because of you know today was a big day and and i do i do find that i'm wearing this a lot and it's the uh, oris aquas 30 oh dear I'm sorry, my chemo brain is getting 37, me. I, I, right? Yeah, I just want to get you. An, uh, I have my. Um, oh, she's busting I've the calipers, calipers out, guys out. and gals. I need to do this carefully here. Uh, want to scratch it? It is a 36, 36 millimeter case, just a hair over 36. Uh, ceramic white bezel. I think uh, it was your wrist dial. check on the last. It was. On the it last was. One, sorry, right? folks. <laughs> we do have new listeners. We do. Um, it has a uh, integrated strap, uh, um, I'm sorry, bracelet, which I normally am not a fan of that. Okay, what does that mean, PG? Uh, it it means the, the lugs and where your spring bars attach are not standard to, you can't go out and buy an everyday uh, band with a spring bar. It's got a different shape. So it's... Um, you it's, have basically have to use you the have to use stuff. this. Yeah. I, I have to, I want to check and see if this version that has the rubber summer strap the white one i want to see if that would fit this i think it, it will, will it should yeah it it's the same case although with with what i do around here in on the farm it would probably not stay very clean but yeah white um, is tough so that's something to think about because that basically restricts you but but this bracelet is so beautiful it's got sort of an oyster look to it to me and i i have some watches that are really large and i have i have one in, that i'm going to share with you today that's it's a, it's a big one but um this I love looking at this. It's it's got like a candy type feel to this white ceramic bezel, and the one that they make exactly like this in black is equally beautiful because of that gloss and the sheen, um, and the loom on it is the new um, S. Uh, BGW nine. I'm sorry, BGW nine. It's the blue loom, and it, it um, glows blue. It's white during the day and blue at night, and I posted a loom shot of it this morning. And I'm so impressed with, with the loom they use. And it must be multiple, you know, multiple, multiple layers because 
I can charge this with my tactical flashlight. I can go to sleep at nine o'clock. Guys, I got to tell you, that's just so cool when your wife says (laughs) tactical flashlight. That's just really, really cool. (laughs) I'm a tactical girl. So charge the, I charge the watch. I go to sleep at nine. And if I wake up at two, three, four o'clock, it still glows and I can still read it without my glasses. And I only see in one eye. So that is something right there. If you have vision issues, I highly recommend the, the newer Oris loom so um this also has an exhibition case back so you can see that um famous red rotor so it's it's really a fun piece because you can you know i've i've shown people my watches before and they'd never seen a a a mechanical movement so it's it's really fun to have that i really like that so that's is there anything else i need to say about this one um i also well i also really like the crown guard with the screws so it it has uh it has a really nice um, look from the top, and and I really enjoy a smaller watch uh, sometimes because you can see a lot of you can see more of the bracelet. Uh, a large watch that goes from you know the edge of the top of your wrist to the bottom, you don't really always get a great look from the top. So I really like that about this watch, and the the bezel is um, very easy to turn as well. So it's a cool. user very user friendly. Has the date. And that's also easy to read. So that's my, that's my Aquas. One thing I will say that I thought was interesting, sorry, I'm going back to our news item, but on the, the new Caliber 400 movement, the rotor's not red. I noticed that. And did you notice that the overall shape with the two barrels and the rotor and the jewels look like a bear's face? It does. Yes. Now, I don't know I if that's it. on purpose, but the, the, the <laughs> barrels do so... look like the ears of the I, horse bears. I sound like such an expert. <laughs> it looks like a bear. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Let, let's just uh, <laughs> let's move on from that one. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Oh. Now... I have not seen their other in-house movements. Maybe they only use the red on the movements that have a base of like a Salita base. Uh, and then maybe their 110 and their other in-house movements don't have a colored rotor. I don't know. I'm not an expert to, on their movements. How about your so. Brashear? Is that a solid case back? Solid case back. Oh. And that's a Salita movement. So it probably does not have, they're not going to spend the money on a red rotor. Well, this is a Salita. Anyway. This is the SW200 movement. Right. The base movement for that guy um, is the Salita SW200. However, on the website, it's called the Aura 733. And I believe right. it's the same movement that's used in the 43 millimeter. Is it 43? should be the, the white... same exact movement, yeah. Yeah, so they make a, um, I hate to say women and men because it's really not. Small it's, and large. It's a small and large. Has the same movement. So they, they crammed that movement into this 30, yep. um, 36 millimeter yep. case. Well, and it's, it's got a... the red rotor, right? It does. And that's my point is maybe on the the ones that are not in-house, they're based on an off-the-shelf. Maybe they, they put the red rotor on there to to um, identify it as an Oris uh, modified rotor, whereas with the in-house stuff, maybe all of them don't have the colored rotor. I don't know. Well, I'll this, have to look at that. This movement actually does have a 733 uh, engraved into the movement if you look at yep. it with a loop. Yep. So they they named Very it. Very nice watch. <clears throat> I love it. And it was such a great story yeah, of how you surprised me because you're not good at... Um, I can usually find things out. Go back and listen to the Oris episode, guys, if you want to know how that all came to be. Um, okay, okay, so I'm going to go on to my first, which has nothing to do with either of the news items for today. Uh, it's a watch that I still wear it pretty frequently. And the funny thing about this, so this is the Seiko SRPC44 Prospects. So it's their turtle-shaped 
all gold diver. Also known as <clears throat> C-3PO. C-3PO or the golden turtle. I've seen both. Um, but when this first came out, you really dug oh, it. Oh, I was like, and you, you were trying to get me to buy it. have to wear this. It's so 70s. And I just hunky. wasn't, you know, I, number one, I wasn't 100% sure on the all gold. Number two, it came with a rubber strap. And I'm not really a big rubber strap guy. I don't really care for that rubber strap on that watch. Myself. Yeah. And we, I think we were in a large department store locally here one day and you saw it and it was on sale. You're like, you should really get it. Now, guys, normally when my wife says you should buy that watch, there's zero hesitation. I immediately pull out the credit card and buy the watch, right? If I've got the go ahead, I buy the watch. You're like, mm. I was just was not, I wasn't feeling it. Oh, I just, I, it's so seventies to me and it, it made me, you know, you needed to grow sideburns for that one. So, <laughs> yeah. So here's what changed it for me. Um, if you guys are familiar, familiar with strapcode.com, they're a big online strap retailer and bracelet spell, retailer. Spell that for our listeners. Strapcode, S-T-R-A-P-C-O-D-E. Um, so they came out with, I want to call it the Miltap, but I think it's the, right on their website, it's called the Super J Lewis JUB316L Stainless Steel watch bracelet for the Seiko gold turtle. Uh, bottom line is it's a, it's an all gold plated stainless <laughs> steel bracelet, um, with the end links to match the turtle case. Uh, it, so it looks like a factory uh, it does. bracelet it's and it's kind of a Jubilee, Jubilee. style. It's and gold. when I saw that, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going full OG. <laughs> so I, when they, the, go big or the go day, home, the day they, they, um, they showed this new, this new bracelet, I ordered it and I went on to, uh, the department store website and I ordered the watch. And so they both got here within a couple of days. I've never worn this thing on the, the rubber strap. It immediately got the, the OG bracelet treatment. And, uh, and so I've, that's, how I've worn it ever since. And it's, it really is a lot of fun and I get a lot of compliments on it when I, although I don't post on Instagram very often anymore, but when I did post it, I was getting a lot of, of comments and a lot of favorable feedback on it. It's just fun. I it mean, is. it just, it kind of sends you back to the all gold seventies and eighties, right? It's, and it's big and bold and, and it's got the, um, the four hour 36 movement. So that's the day date as opposed to just the date. Uh, it's got lots of great loom on it. I mean, it's your typical great Seiko prospects diver, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it some goes, $500. It uh, matches my small, all yellow gold Seiko five ladies, mm -hmm. little 29 millimeter. Yep. So, so that was my, that's my wrist check today. And it's just, I, it, I've might I think I've probably done a wrist check with this one before. I've never done a what's in the collection with it, but, so if you, if you just want to go full on over gold and, uh, take a trip back to the seventies, by the SRPC 44 and the the 22 millimeter Super J Louise or Lewis um, JUB strap, and I'll I'll it's put excellent. a link on the website for the for this um, post this podcast post. But uh, just a lot of fun. It's really cool, and the bracelet's so you know it's that Jubilee, so it's so comfortable. Mm -hmm. Just hugs the wrist, really soft. And how is the metal feel? Is it does it feel um, like toy metal? No, it's it's or very high quality. Like a, it's okay. um. It's a $150 bracelet. So I I had to get the watch on sale or I wasn't going to do this. And I got a huge discount, like a 40 or 50% discount when I bought the watch. So that allowed me to, to buy the, the bracelet and not be completely over the top on cost. But it's very, very high quality. 
Um, it's a you know double locking push button clasp with a bunch of micro adjusts on it. Very very high quality, solid solid links. Uh, doesn't snag my hair at all. It's heavy. It's very heavy. Yeah, it's it's a very very high quality bracelet. Excellent. Yeah. I like it. I love Fun it. Fun stuff. So so that's my wrist check. Let's yeah. get into what's in the collection. All right. Um, since we're talking about, we just talked about Oris, and we just talked about gold. Gold. <laughs> gold. I love gold. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is a actually a vintage piece here. It's all yellow gold. Again, it's an Oris, but this is actually a pendant. Uh, and I've posted some of my pendants before. This is another ladybug or cicada pendant. And it's it's probably, I would say, late 70s, right before quartz crisis. Because I remember women wearing these when I was like in high school. And it's the wings open up. And it's got a tiny little, um, I should have measured them. I had the movement out of another one. I actually have two of these. One's a Lucerne, so cool. Lucerne brand. And the other is... Um, the other two are Oris. I bought the Lucerne for parts, but they're different movements. So I don't know why I was thinking that would work. But this <laughs> is about 27. The case is about 27. So it's a, it's a small movement. But um, I popped it out of here earlier and it had it said seven jewels on the movement. And it is an Oris movement. Um, it looks brand new. Yeah. Unfortunately, this one doesn't shape. run. I think this brings Oh, this is, is not the red one. Okay. No, the red one... Um, the red one is actually in really good shape yeah, and runs and um, keeps pretty good time. And it, and the red one actually has a sub dial, a second sub dial on that tiny little watch. This does not, but it's got some fantastic font, 12369 in that old school minimalist mm -hmm. sort of um, feel. That's why I think this one's a little older. Um, so at some point when I feel like spending some money on <laughs> getting a watch renovated, I'll send this one in. But um these some some of the the ones that are in you know tip top shape are going for several hundred dollars. This one I think I paid forty for or thirty five. Was that on eBay? Yeah, eBay. But um, but even as jewelry, it's really it's really cute. So someday I'd like to get this one running. Um, the movements do pop in and out though. Um, it's pretty standard because this case has a patent. Um, all the cases are Swiss. Uh, I think the one, all the ones I have are Swiss made. So they're super fun, and um, I know pendant watches and vintage stuff isn't quite as is like hot and popular as some of the newer watches that people are following. But um, I just like the history of this. Thinking somebody wore this, you know, back in the day, and I have some some vintage watches that are a hundred years old, like my Longines um, trench watch that uh, I think mm -hmm. I, we did on one of the other yep. in the collection. If not, we'll do it next time. But um, but that's my first one. This one's all yellow gold and it's a ladybug and it's it's awfully cute and it's it, it's special to me because I remember seeing them back in the day and wishing I could get one but of course it was way out of my budget as a high school kid. What I will say guys is if you've been trying to get your your um, girlfriend or wife spouse into watches and they're just it's not going well, uh, find one of these in good condition because <laughs> it's it's jewelry. Right. I mean, she, you, you put it on a chain That's cute. and it's a neat, it's a novelty, right? Because mm -hmm. it's got a mechanical movement in it. It's a, it's a nice little piece of jewelry that looks like a ladybug, but you hit the button and the wings open up and you got the time. And it's, you know, it, it, especially if you have a wife that's maybe she wears a, a Apple watch or something, right? 
So it's hard to get that off of her wrist and a real a real watch on her wrist. Um, I know some of you will take offense to that, but I don't consider the <clears throat> Apple Watch a real watch. If it's hard to get that Apple Watch off of her, her wrist, you give her this on a chain. It's a bobble. Yeah, and then you can start educating her on the mechanics of, of what's inside and how it works. She'll have to wind it. And it's just a, I think it's a great way to get, you know, your significant other into watches where otherwise you may not be able to get her into watches. So um, we'll, uh, we'll have pictures of it and some info on where you might be able to, to find them. But it's, I think it's a really neat piece. Speaking of learning about quartz watches or Apple watches versus mechanical, you read me the most hysterical review on a watch on the internet and I will read that. I heard that's, you laughing from across the house. Yeah. So that's part of one of my, the watches I'm going to talk about. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, sorry. no, that's okay. You're, okay. I, I, we're on the worry. same page. We'll, we'll get there. We are on the same we are page. We're definitely on the same yeah. page. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's not the first one I'm going to go over. So <clears> if you're me. done, I'll, I'll, I'll move on to my, and I'm my gonna have first a, one. I'm going to have a sip of water to wash the smoke down from outside. And I, I just realized that I'm pretty much, it's a, it's a, almost all Seiko day for me today and my wrist check as well as my my three oh. so the first one is one I've talked about a lot on the podcast but I've never done it in a, in one of the what's in the collection episodes by the way I think this is our fourth time we've done this but anyway um fifth fourth I think this is the fourth what's in the collection I have to go back and look I actually this was my wrist check last week so um this is the Grand Seiko SBGA 387 Kurizuri dial and there's a reason why this one means a lot to me so back in 2018 there was some significant some significant announcements from Grand Seiko um, the biggest of which was that they were establishing a completely standalone independent U.S. brand so when they did that they did a special limited edition release of three watches U.S. only and what was really cool for us is when we were covering the Couture Time show watch show in las vegas in 2018 we were one of the first folks in the united states to actually see these watches and actually get to, to touch them and handle them and well, and they were prototypes only yeah those these were just the prototypes but it was a run of three different watches all spring drive they made they had a platinum one with kind of a white dial and it was like 50 grand or something crazy beautiful watch i think they made 20 of them then they had a rose gold cased one with a kind of a cream dial and they made 50 of those and that was like 30 grand. And then they had this one. Personally, this was my favorite out of the three from a, a visual point of view because it's got this absolutely gorgeous blue dial. They're all the Kurizuri treatment, which almost, if you look up close, it almost looks like right, like kind of crumpled up rice paper. Um, and this just has this absolutely gorgeous blue color to it, especially when the sun hits it in the right way. And it's just the, the way the sun bounces off this dial is absolutely amazing. They all have that same treatment, but this was the only blue dial. And, so, the, and the only one that had a bracelet. Yes. And so this, this came with a bracelet and also came with a black and a dark blue patent leather strap, which I've, I've no, I'm not a big patent leather guy, so I don't, don't wear it with those. It doesn't um, go good with muck boots. No, this, you know, this watch, I don't wear this watch a ton mm -hmm. only because it's, I was making a joke. Yeah. The, it's kind of like we <clears throat> refer to the, the Cartier Santos that we have, where if you breathe on it, the bezel right. scratches, this one scratches really easily. 
um, but it's got all the beautiful polishing that that Grand Seiko is known for. Um, they made 558 of them. Um, I bought one, and I got it from Rob Kaplan at Topper, who we had on the show last week, and he bought one too. So that's why I was, I think last week I said we were watch brothers because um, <laughs> we, we both have this one. But such a beautiful watch. It's got a display case back, so you get to see how the spring drive movement works, which is so much different than a regular mechanical movement that that ticks back and forth, you know, with the right. the escape wheel, whereas this has a wheel that's just constantly moving in one direction, speeding up and slowing down to keep time. And I'm not going to go over, we've had a lot of requests from people to have an episode on spring drive, and I think we'll probably still do that. Um, but what you, the, the biggest thing to know about spring drive is it's a combination of mechanical and quartz. So the timekeeping is regulated by a quartz crystal, but the whole movement's mechanical, so it still has to be wound. It's still got a mainspring. So it's still powered as a normal automatic watch. Right, with no battery. But the timekeeping is via a quartz crystal and a little mechanism in there. So mm-hmm. really groundbreaking technology that they first came out with, I think, in the 70s is when it was developed. Uh, absolutely gorgeous movement. The only thing I wish they hadn't done on this, and they did it because it was one of these special edition watches, it's got the display back. But then they've got the the Grand Seiko. I think it's the Lion logo on the back, and it blocks a lot of the movement. You see that? How they put the they put it right on the sapphire crystal, yeah. so it, it kind of blocks some of the movement. You can still see the the wheel on the top. Just depends on angle you look. Yeah, at, right. I kind of wish they hadn't put that on there because the movement is such a sight to behold. I mean, such a pretty movement, um, and it's got a really nice uh, uh, metal bracelet, like an H link bracelet. Uh, I think it's a five link and it does have a butterfly clasp, which is normally I'm not a big fan of those because they're hard to get the right fit, but they do have, uh, it comes with multiple size links. So you still can't get the perfect fit with this watch. And it's uh, not a butterfly. It's a deployant. Well, it's, it, it's deployant, but it's not, um, it's only one. You're, you're right. It's not the typical butterfly, but it's it's a much smaller clasp, and I, I do like that because then you don't have all that clasp underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost integrated like a Rolex. But like a butterfly, there's no micro adjust. The mm-hmm. way you adjust it to to get the right fit is by using the different size links that it comes with. So, right. um, in any case, this is such a special watch. It's, this is one I'll never part with. I, it's well, it was such a great experience at the at the Grand Seiko. It was, um, yeah salon at the show because we got to everyone was so kind and welcoming uh we got to meet nakazawa sound that was yes like one of their probably one of the highlights of my life was to that whole experience it truly was so to see that pro that pre-production prototype and hold it and then you actually were able to get the watch is it's a um, really cool history for you personally for both of us. It, it really is. And to own one of these movements, I mean, that was something that was really on our wish list was mm-hmm. to eventually own a, a spring drive, a Grand Seiko spring drive. They had a fe- they had a ladies Grand Seiko that debuted as well. And I got to hold the prototype mm-hmm. with the rose gold and diamonds. And it was so dressy and wow, stunning. But let me tell you, and... let me tell you the price on that. Do you remember exactly? I think it was 20 35,000? I think it was more than that. I think it was up in It was the under 40s. 40. No, it was, was, it, it was, was under, it 40. under 40. But oh my goodness. But it was beautiful. It's, I'm not a rose gold person because I don't wear any and rose it's like gold. it's like an evening it was, gown It was, watch, but it right? was stunning. It was so, the band was like a dark brown, like a burgundy brown mm-hmm. and the rose and the dial, the dial was a, almost a pearl white 
and mm-hmm. just stunning. It was gorgeous. Yeah, it was. Yeah. They had a lot of beautiful watches uh, that year. But uh, I would be a little nervous wearing something like that. Yeah, and I don't think the geese would appreciate it very much. You know, since we're not really around <laughs> human beings anymore. But it, <laughs> but it is sparkly, and they it. would be they would be trying to nibble. They so. would be trying to eat it, yeah, and swallow it. But all right, well, all that's right. that's my first. What's your next okay. one? My next one. Okay, we've got a theme, a little bit of a theme. Mine's a Seiko. Uh, Seiko cocktail time. It's the ladies size. So it is exactly, uh, I want to say 34 exact. It's just under 34, I believe. And this is the cure Royale red dial that, um, we got the press release from our grand Seiko contact from your time. And I was like, how do I get this? And you found it. And we finally <laughs> found it. So it's, um, the dial is beautiful and the bracelet that comes with it is actually, actually the same bracelet that comes on the men's, uh, men's size version of the cocktail times. Mm. And actually the movement is the same movement. Um, which I, which is another topic that we just talked about with in-house where you talk about what movement goes in, which size watches. So, uh, it should be the four R 35. Yeah. Is it a date only? I'm trying to pull up my I think data. it's just the date only, which would be the 4R35. It is, yeah. yeah. So this is, and it's got an exhibition case back. Um, really nice looking movement. It's got a um, sort of a skeletonized rotor. Um, but it, it's the same movement that's in yours. So um, I really like that they do that. So they're not, um, they're not making it a quartz and making it smaller, which is, was it episode two, like almost three years ago that I said, we want, you know, female collectors want the same watches that yeah, it was our first episode have. ever. In um, we don't want April to stick a bunch of diamonds on it. Yep. Um, just give us the same watch, but a little bit smaller, Yep. which has kind of been my mantra for almost three years now. So yeah. Yeah. it's, uh, something that's been, uh, it was the reason for the birth of the podcast. Yep. So since it's a dress watch, I like that it's smaller, um, well, the cool thing is, it's when when you first started talking about those types of things a few years ago, it's it inspired a lot of of other female collectors on on Instagram to come out and start sharing their collections and saying, "Yeah, we we don't necessarily want the pink and the diamonds and stuff with the quartz. There's a, there's we, a, I appreciate definitely a the time, mechanical yeah. movement." And so that we've seen a lot more female collectors since we started the show that have Tons. really gotten into it, and it's it's yes. awesome to see that that it's kind of inspired that and. And we've heard from a lot of women who've reached right out and said, thank you so much. You've inspired me to really get into this and start talking more about what I want as a collector. And it's it's Mm -hmm. awesome. I mean, there's, um, there's absolutely the right place for a women's, uh, diamond or pink watch. I have, I have watches that are like my Bulova that I've, I believe it was on one of the, in the collection. It's the Swarovski crystal yeah, uh, and Bulova you did that dress in one watch. of the early what's in the collection. Um, that is a New Year's Eve watch. It's so sparkly. It's com- completely pave crystals. And I absolutely love that watch. And that is something that I think every female collector should have in their collection is the little black dress um, party watch, you know, mm-hmm. when you're going to be out on New Year's Eve. So I do have um, quite a few watches that are ladies' quartzes that are dainty um, but as a collector, when, when you're starting to build a, a large collection, you want the same thing, you know, a, you want a dive watch that's, um, appropriate size. And a lot of women can pull off a men's size watch, but 
other other times I think it's forced and it's more like darn it I'm gonna wear that men's watch whether regardless it, of yeah what it regardless looks like, of right? how it looks yeah. but when the lugs start hanging over it's um it is you know it is whatever you want to do I mean there's no rules we're and not gonna tell you what to sometimes do. people have yeah. rules about certain things that, about watches no but there aren't any rules but I think in general you can appreciate the design of a watch when it's sized appropriately. What I've always said is that to me that always kind of looks like a, a young, like a, a the little kid. eight-year-old who takes dad's watch off of his dresser and puts it on and to play dress up. And that's, you know, that's what it looks like to me. No offense to anyone who wants to wear a gigantic watch that hangs right over your wrist. If that's your thing, that's your thing. Um, and sometimes there's no choice. If you want a specific watch, yes. it's only made in larger sizes. And that's that's the whole thing that we've been talking about is, come on, guys, make these in smaller sizes, not just for women, Correct. but for men that have smaller wrists, too. Uh, unfortunately, I think we are a smaller, you know, we are still a small segment. Yes. Yeah. For marketing. Well, so... women are, but not necessarily male watch collectors. Right. Like our two right? friends in our Red Bar group, he, um, those two fellows, we sit yeah. off in a corner and... The three of us try on each other's watches because we have identical <laughs> it's six the, and it's a quarter. The small wrist group in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> we have we all have six and a quarter inch um, yep. circumference wrists, so it's a lot of fun. It's like, oh, what you bring? Yeah. So, I think that's okay. that's, a, that's about it for that one. But one other thing I want to say about these cocktail times is that um, I did have at least two or three men DM me about this because they wanted the smaller size because they're kind of petite guys. Um, there are new ones out that the colors are stunning and they're, they're based on the famous Tokyo bar and the drinks that are made there by mm -hmm. the famous bartender. So each one has a little backstory, but, um, in my stories on my Instagram account, I actually posted photos of the three recent ones. Um, and I'm not a pink person, but there's a stainless one with a pink dial that looks like cotton candy to me. And I think that's the cosmopolitan. So mm -hmm. super, super duper fun. Okay. All right. I'll stop talking. Well, so the, <laughs> yours leads perfectly into mine uh, because these were kind of his and hers. So my next one is, again, it's a Seiko. Uh, this I bought one it for is, you for your birthday. Yeah, this was a gift from, from PG a couple years ago for my birthday. This is the SRPB43 Presage, um, 40 millimeter, I believe. Uh, it's, it's that 4R35 movement. Okay, you're gonna hand me the calibers. All right, <laughs> I, I need to be. I guess I have to be accurate here. So let's do a quick measure. I'm almost positive it's a forty, and yes, it's a forty millimeter. Um, this uh, again, this was a gift. It's got this beautiful. It's a really super light blue dial, and a lot of in a lot of light that looks silver. But if you get in the right light, you can see the blue that comes out. Beautiful sunburst pattern on the dial. Now. What's special about this watch, I chose it for a couple of reasons. Number one, because you had chosen your cocktail time. Mm -hmm. Number two, because the watch I just previously talked about, the Grand Seiko, if you love the Grand Seiko, but don't have the money, don't have Grand Seiko money, but want something that looks like it. I mean, look at these. They are so alike. They're both 40 millimeter cases. Um, they both have beautiful Seiko light blue dials. They're both, they both have, now this one, this comes with a uh, patent leather with blue stitching. Um, I immediately ordered, um, because you can buy other Presage watches with the same case that come with a factory st uh, stainless steel bracelet. Mm -hmm. So I bought the stainless steel bracelet separately. Uh, very comfortable. And actually you had corrected me because I mentioned that 
the grant i said the grand seiko had a butterfly clasp i was thinking about this watch so this watch actually That's does a have a butterfly yeah. same same bracelet is on my smaller cocktail yes. time same uh pattern links yep. um everything it's and, and the same concept his and her got, kind of thing. yeah you've got no micro adjust but you have different size links to get the right the right fit so they're very tricky that's the post um it's the post and sleeve uh, on, on yes, mine and yeah. oh my gosh that is they're not the easiest to adjust but but uh so the, this watch really reminds me i had this one before i got the grand seiko Obviously, you don't get a spring drive movement, right? You get a, a nice solid Seiko 4R35 movement, display case back, uh, nice gold rotor. You know, it's 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 pretty nicely decorated. It's nothing crazy mm -hmm. fancy, but um, if you like to look at the movement, it's got that display case back. But, you know, point being is you can pick this up for less than $400, sometimes less than $300 on sale, and then buy the bracelet. I think the bracelet was another $50 or $60, something like that. And, and then you've you know, got for the under look. 500 yep. bucks, you have something that looks very, very similar to the Grand Seiko, because I don't care if it's a base Seiko or a high-end Grand Seiko, Seiko just knows how to do dials. I mean, yes. they, they have some of the best dials in the industry. So if you're looking for something similar uh, to the Grand Seiko, the SRPB43, great, great watch. Uh, that you can get with, you know, buy the factory bracelet for it. And I'll see if I can find the part number. I don't know. It's been a while, but uh, it, it's fantastic. So uh, we'll, again, post pictures and, and some links, but uh, fantastic watch. And it's it's another great one of those his and her combos that we yeah. wear sometimes. And that's a lot of fun. So if if you guys are both into collecting uh, these last two we yeah. talked about. Or if great. one person has a super small wrist and the other doesn't, it's a kind of a fun yep. matchy matchy. Yep. Oh, and, and I do need to read... I need to read one of this, the this review. review. Yeah. So on the Seiko USA website for this watch, uh, the, the, there's a review on there. No it, names. No, no, names. I won't read any. And you can go, it's right there on their website, but uh, they gave it, they gave the watch one star out of five and the review here. Here's the review quote, beautiful watch, a present from my wife, Christmas, 2018. If I don't wear it every day, it will run down in approximately 24 hours. The store where where purchased has not responded. Based on my other Seikos, this is merely defective. So uh, his other Seikos are obviously quartz, right? I mean, oh. and the thing is, I've heard I had to read that because I laughed and and you know I I've heard this story from a lot of uh, dealers. Right, where they get people coming in who bought a watch and are so upset that it's not running anymore and they have to explain to them, look, this doesn't have a battery. It's a mechanical automatic watch. If you don't wear it, it stops you working. You have to wind it, get it right. It. So I, I had to I just I had to read that. I thought it was I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> Definitely well, made me laugh. <laughs> it's well, I don't know if it's as funny as the story we told before about when you were at a conference and a very young person came up and asked you what time it was. Oh, and I showed, yeah. And I, I just flipped my wrist and showed her the wrist, my wrist with my, you know, normal analog watch on. And, and she, uh, she goes, what am I supposed to do with that? Or, or something, something to that effect. And she did not know how to tell time. I mean, she was, I don't know. Yeah. Late teens, early twenties, probably an intern or something at the company I work for. And, yeah, she. So I, I proceeded to stand me. there for yeah. about ten minutes, 
to try to teach this girl how to tell time. How did she get through life? I mean, even at that age, we still have clocks on the walls. and But I guess if you've got your phone, you're born with a phone in your hand. It's, di- it's a little disturbing. You don't disturbing. need to tell time. But it was, a li- it was definitely a little disturbing. So More reason to yeah. gift watches to people so that they can appreciate the technology. Exactly. And it is a technology. It's a fascinating piece of engineering. Yep. All right. How are we doing on time? We're we're up there. So but we only got one more each, so we're okay. fine. All right. So my my last one is one of our one of the brands we really like, uh, Mr. Jones Watches in London. And um they've had they've featured us on their blog before as a podcast, which is that was so much fun and we're really grateful. Um They've this, featured a lot of your photos too. You've gotten some do. some uh discounts from them because well yeah i actually won a monthly i'm not sure if they're doing any more they're pretty busy with covid and um they just announced they're moving their factory their assembly area but they um i won a couple contests and i got a little gift card so i've um, used those towards purchasing we have several of their watches now and this one is another um matching set that we both have this is the queen of hearts and it's 37 millimeters and it's got a um the queen of hearts from a deck of cards and it's a mechanical movement i think it's um it's a jumping hour uh chinese made movement it's a seagull a seagull and it's um it's in a series there's the king and then there's the queen and some of their watches come in different sizes like your king is the xl oh you just blew my last uh... um I didn't say anything. I just said that the the one you own. Well, we'll do it together then as our <laughs> okay. last what's in the collection. So good. mine is the king, right? <laughs> Cuz you're the king Cause... and I'm the queen. That's right. <laughs> so I've got ah, the same 2020 watch, can't be over soon enough. So, um this awesome. this was a that was a special gift I got you for our anniversary. Yes. And yeah. and I love the bezel on yours. The um mine is the standard unisex size this is 37. The XL. That's the XL, and it's got a fantastic, chunky, round. Um, it's a monster. It's forty-four millimeters. It's a big yeah, watch. Yeah, it's a, and it's really, really pretty. Well, these are jumping hour, and the 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 way you tell time is the center of the queen. Her heart has the hour, and then there are playing cards that go around. So it's um, by t- every ten minutes, it shows uh, a different a different series of cards. Yeah, between you, like ten and eleven. Um, it's, it took me a while. It took me a while to figure out how to read this. Yeah, it, it takes a little getting used to because it's very, um, very different. But once you get used to it, it's um, it's pretty it's pretty easy. Yeah. So you've got your hour in the center, which it's kind of it's down there a, a few layers. So it can be a little bit tough to see. And then you got your playing card. So on the hour, you've just got one ace. And then at uh what is it 10 after at 10 after you've got the 10 of clubs Mm -hmm. with a card underneath and slightly below it to the left and let's see then you've got three tens or no you got what's 20 after 20 after is a two and an ace three tens for half hour and then you've got a four and an ace a five and an ace for 40 and 50 hour and then back to your ace when the it flips so um so yeah, these are are really fun watches. Yeah, they really are. And the neat thing is is that you can change your bracelets to straps and 
I believe this, uh, the queen shipped on the Milanese, which it's a fantastic strap. It's really useful on other watches uh, as well. But I actually went in right at the beginning of pandemic and I purchased the, um, the leather black. It's a two color. Um, the top part with the buckle is black with white stitching and the bottom is red with white stitching. So it really looks fantastic. Um, with the queen. It's a lot of fun. And these are just great watches to wear. Like if we have a casino night at home or if we ever get to go to Reno again, <laughs> we will someday. <laughs> I really miss Reno. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah and it, it, it just really looks handsome on you too. The, the King one. They're well, good. and I, yeah, mine has, you know, both uh, black top and black tail. So this is all black with white stitching, but you know, the, the, the thing with Mr. Jones is, what I really enjoy about them is having to explain how they work. And especially with this guy with the cards, this is the most difficult, I think, of everything that we have in terms of not difficult. It's just a new way of, right. of reading time. It's, le it's legible. It's one of the more legible numbers. It, it is. Yeah. And they, the thing the is, people is... notice these, right? They're, I mean, they're very bold. They stand out on your wrist. So then when you have to explain to them how it tells time, it, I almost feel like I've got one up on someone. Like I, I, got, I have this secret way of telling time, right? I've got this information that nobody it's has, and I'm imparting this information to you. It's, just, it's kind of fun to have this little, you know, because I can look at and I, I know what time it is. If someone else were to look at it, they wouldn't have a clue until you explain it right, to them. Right. So it's kind, of, it's, it's kind of fun, you know? It's a fun little novelty, I guess. But, but when you also explain to them that there's no battery, right? It's a full mechanical movement. Mm -hmm. It's all gears and springs. Then that's when they really get the aha moment. Like this is really something special. You know, it's amazing that, that you've got this thing on your wrist with a bunch of gears and springs in it that tells time in this fashion. It's just really fun. And, and these aren't, um, they're not going to hurt your wallet either. These are, no. um, they're art watches. They're, they're very unique. Um, the queen, the retail price for that is $275. I forgot what the king was, but still, Probably it's a, um, a little, maybe like just a little bit more. Or yeah. But um, take a look at their stuff. I mean, they have so many styles that they would make excellent gifts for someone They're who really has, fun. you know, a unique hobby or something. But um, really, really fun. Again, I think another, that's another good way to get someone into watches who may not really be into watches. Get them something that's really fascinating to look at and is a new way of telling time that they have to kind of teach themselves. I think it's a good way to do it. Yep. They also have uh, quite a few quartz pieces that are that cost less. So if that's uh, better on your budget, take a look. But um, really, really fun. They put a smile on your face. And, you know, some are, are more playful than others. So just take a quick look and see what tickles your fancy. Yeah. They're, they're fun. Yep. Well, we're, uh, we're at almost an hour and 20 minutes. So we should probably wrap this one. Um, so... Normally the, the the website post comes up a day or two after it hits iTunes and the rest of the podcast players. So you may have to give it a day or two to be able to actually see the photos. But I will post a bunch of photos. We'll get as many links as we can for all the stuff we've talked about today. And uh, yeah, as usual, thank you so much for listening and taking the time to to uh, listen to the podcast and give us your feedback. You know, if you, As I always ask, if you have a few minutes, get onto iTunes. We read one today. We're going to start being better about that. And uh, if you give us a review on iTunes and we do read it on the air, you're going to get some free swag. So again, to I think it was JD something. JD. Um, 
you know, reach out to us either on Instagram and, or by email and, and we'll get you something. something and the fun. Watchdog podcast, fellow podcaster. Oh, right. Very, right, very right, right. nice fellow. Check out his podcast. Yeah. So I think that's it. It is. Yeah. And Guys, yeah, it's um, been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed you the listening. episode. Again, these are always, these episodes always seem to get a lot of listens and a lot of likes. So hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you have other ideas, that you, things you'd like to hear about, whether or, it's... Yeah, or questions, DM yeah, us. Yeah, reach out to us and let us know. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah? Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Take care, Have everybody. a good one, and we'll see you on the, on the next show. Later. Bye-bye.